0: Extraordinary stories from across Scottish football communities. This is
1: the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Woodger, and I'm Jake Gray. We're drawing closer to the big day at the Falkirk Stadium with the SPFL Trust Trophy Final between Wraith Rovers and Hamilton, just around the corner. So just to remind you of the format once again, each round of the competition, we've been bringing you some of the best stories from Scottish football communities.
3: In this episode, we'll chat about the final and bring you powerful stories, including how Rafe
2: Rovers Community Foundation and Hamilton Academical Community Trust support people in their communities.
3: We'll also hear from Liam Bryce, sports writer at The Herald, who has taken a particular interest in the power of football throughout the cost of living crisis.
2: And on the pitch, we're speaking to Wraith Gaffer, Ian Murray and Aki's boss, John Rankin, ahead of their cup final tie. But first, let's start
3: by taking a look back at some of the extraordinary stories we've told throughout the series.
0: Especially in this country, you know, the the love of, of football is really strong and uh, if you can use that to, to try and make a difference, it's a great thing.
1: Without the community, the club wouldn't be what it is and we know that the fans are are everything to the club.
4: As soon as he entered the corridor to come down, could
3: hear his voice. When I come here, it's not just a, a club, it's not just a football team,
4: it's a family. I think it's helped me build my confidence.
1: We use football as a way to bring people in, to get them to talk and try and speak out a wee bit.
4: We know that those Unique elements are the things that get people through the door who wouldn't normally engage in other things.
1: I
3: was overweight, a lot overweight unhealthy. I was now enjoying being out. I lost my wife in April this year and it feels a bit strange. It's nice to mix with other people and, and make friends. I'm a footballer and I think it's quite good for them to see that they can have them problems. Coming here to the Football Memories brought a sparkle back to them. Yeah. They're all here for you and that's what,
2: that's what I like about this place. It's,
4: it's about understanding what needs to be done to support people but really understanding that football, the generational attachment to it, this sort of embeddedness in our culture here in Scotland, gives football the opportunity to help us make those changes but in a way that's powered by football. It's really helped me feel at home in the community. He was always properly excited about coming down and treated them so yes. nicely. Yeah. So They treated him so well.
3: I was meeting people in a similar background as myself. I would say Queen's have helped a
1: big style this year. They've done a lot for me.
2: Uh, so, yeah, we're joined by uh, Nikki Reid from the SPFL Trust uh, CEO there. Nikki's been on a few times. We've also got JJ Henderson, who you'll remember from the previous podcast, one before. Yep. A one. Yeah, a recent one. A recent one, anyway. Recent podcast. JJ was on recently speaking about um, Raith Rovers Community Foundation. He's the uh, community manager there of that uh, particular foundation. We also have Liam Bryce on the call um, from the Herald and Times. And today, really, we're focusing on. The power of football, because that's what this whole series has been about, Jake. Yeah, so um, a, bit of
3: a, a bit of a recap from,
2: from the whole series. Yeah, leading up to the final, which is taking place on Sunday the 26th of March yep. um, at the Falkirk Stadium. I think we're all going to be there, apart from Liam. Correct me if I'm wrong, Liam. I don't know if you're you getting your press pass out for that. or. Uh,
5: no, I'm not at that one,
2: ah well, Oh, ah well. Next time, mate. Uh, um, but yeah, um, Nicky, just to start with yourself we've spoken a lot about it over the course of the series, anyone who's listened to the podcast regularly will know the kind of stories we're talking about but from your experience as as CEO of the the SPFL Trust, what's the idea behind something being football powered and and the work that goes into that from from clubs and trusts?
4: Uh, The million dollar question, so basically I suppose the concept of football powered is really um, a, a piece of terminology ultimately but it's used to represent this unique role that football has in Scottish society and the way that that works in our communities and what that brings in terms of the ability to deliver support and services and interventions, but in a way that is uniquely powered by football and its environment and its people and the the attachments that come with it. And because of all of those really special things, we're able to do a lot of that delivery of services and support and provision in a way that many other people can't. And that also means that we can reach people who might otherwise be put off by mainstream interventions. And so it's really about harnessing that whole thing about something being football powered. And what does that mean? And what does it look like? And for us that that those two words ultimately kind of captured everything that that means for us. And it's taking all those provisions, but football powering them, and chucking everything in it that we have, that can make that as attractive as an impactful as possible for the people that need it most.
2: Yeah, I suppose, you know, the the SPFL Trust facilitate and help facilitate so many programmes. We're we're talking about some of the flagship ones, Um, Football Fans and Training, Festive Friends, Um, we've got the Change Room, which is the mental health um, programme, so many more, Joy and Moving. Jake and I were actually at a Joy and Moving session yesterday, weren't we? Yeah, it it was Um, great, yeah. It was brilliant, but um, JJ, from a a Rafe perspective, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about what the foundation does there ahead of the final. Obviously, you're going to be involved in some respect. There's going to be kids on the pitch kicking about footballs and stuff, but it's so much more than that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so uh, the SPF Trust are, are fantastic and, and always support us, so we want to do that back and give that back to them. So this week is busy, but it's exciting. Uh, the first port call is with you guys. We, we are here doing this to, to discuss the the trophy and the things going on around about it. Tomorrow we take um, some players to the school, we take the trophy out, we meet the kids, there is some photography and build up that atmosphere. I think today we actually sold sold out in all our capacity as well. Some of the kids were coming down from the schools and the things to get involved, which is brilliant to see, so that's tomorrow. Uh, as we build up, I think there's a manager's head-to-head. You guys will know a wee bit more about than me. I think yous get to speak to them. Uh, and then we turn our attentions to the final. so touching on festive friends, there is 10 guests that will be there as, as hospitality members that were, were, uh, that were involved in that, which will be brilliant. And then our final part is at halftime, where we'll have community club... Canceling the pitch, 10 boys and 10 girls that will play against Hamilton Harkis at half-times. Uh, time's end.
2: Yeah, and, and we, we came out earlier in the series and, and spoke to you um, about the impact of football fans and training as well. That's something that you've been running for a long time that has a, a really good reach. And, and Jim Harvey was was one that we, we spoke to. He obviously has such a strong association with, with Rafe Rovers. Um, how, how strong is the connection between the community trust, the club, and then the actual people in Kirkcaldy who, who support the team and, and also who don't support the team?
0: I think more than ever just now, it, it's, it's massive. I think the ways to get into love football is completely different now. I think you can actually grow up a supporter. It's as such when it was maybe when I was a bit younger, but now it's taking in those community events, going to those community ideas that are, are being put on place, a football fan to train a festive friends, a walk and talk. And then people just start to naturally ask questions on well, where, am I? where am I, what's history, what, what else did the club do and straight away it ties into that football club atmosphere of by anyway, the on a Saturday there's there's 2,000 here at a home game, there's uh, people that, that uh, go from the walking talk groups that go together, there's people from walking talk that maybe sit and they'll go for a lunch, a drink, they go back down to the football club. It all ties in and with the community aspect of it with Jim Harvey, if people had seen the video with Jim, you see the impact that Jim can have on other people's lives. It's not just people within the football club that are that are there or are managers or trying to push community. It's people that actually just want to be Rafe supporters and have that relationship with the club and the foundation and go, where can I support? Where do I fit in? How do I grow this? Which is fantastic.
3: Yeah, and uh, Jim's story was was amazing. Um just coming back to back to yourself, Nikki, um, it's been fantastic to to see and to share the stories of of uh, just some football powered things throughout this series.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, you know, we're really lucky in in the respect that we we do this every day, so we kind of get to hear on a kind of a regular basis some of the wonderful things that happen. But actually, if you're not involved in that you don't necessarily get roots to those stories because by and large, they're not necessarily the stories and we'll get to Liam in a minute. So we're about to talk about him. But, you know, they're not necessarily the stories that make the headlines, certainly that capture folks attention. So to be able to use the trophy as a route to share those stories via the podcast and all the various sort of roots within that is really powerful. But it's actually you know, people like Leon taking an interest in the work that we're doing and understanding the value of that and being able to share that story as well um, through the newspaper articles and doing it in a really proactive way rather than it being something that's reactive because something's happened somewhere in the game. So I think that collection of stuff um, really is quite important, quite powerful and actually... It's not until I find myself chatting to, you know, you guys like on a day like today or looking at the stuff in the other episodes or chatting to Liam, you know, we, we could probably, Liam, we could have spoken for goodness knows how long, I think, when we ended up doing our most recent chat. But it's not until you really start to have those conversations that, you, you know, you remind yourself of the massive difference that is being made and not just a one off difference, like the difference that some of these interventions make for people for the longer term and, you know certainly being able to share that with like of liam and, and through listeners and things has been really important and hopefully it's stories that people weren't aware of
2: yeah totally um liam obviously you've been doing quite a bit of work um with the herald on on community football and, and how it relates to the, the cost of living crisis how football in general relates to the cost of living crisis and the impacts of poverty i mean could you tell people a bit more about the stuff you've seen the places you've been and, and what you've really learned from this kind of five or six part journey you've been on
5: yeah i absolutely um learned an awful lot to be honest like i think i'm kind of you know i'm still sort of relatively new in this job it was around about november time that i came into it and one of the the things that you know that was kind of put to us when when i started was maybe a bit looking into these kind of stories that are lesser told um across the game um because obviously you know so much of the you know the coverage of the football just it's at the elite level it's you know it's premiership it's at the very top and a lot of these stories are kind of fly under the radar but i think there was a kind of feeling that it was you know with the cost of living crisis it was you know kind of maybe more important than ever to look at how that tied into to football because like it's it's kind of something that's you know kind of permeated through every sector of society and football is obviously no different um so it just kind of started off, you know, looking at, you know, stuff about. I think there was the first one was about, um, aye, it was like how, like, you know, the cost was affecting, you know, fans that travel to away games. And then after that, it was, you know, how is it affecting clubs? Um, yeah. And then from there on, really, it kind of, I think one sort of led into another because I remember talking to, um, a couple of clubs about how they were coping with it. And there was, um, I to a chap at Albion Rovers, who was, he was kind of really keen to, you know, emphasize, you know, that what the club, you know, although it was tough times for the club, like, you know, they had a community um, initiative and he was really keen to kind of get across the work that they were doing. And it sort of went from there, like thinking, right, well, maybe, you know, this is something else we could look into. And from there, I remember I've spoken to, you know, folk at Morton, Dundee United, um, Motherwell was the other one, and then obviously spoke to uh, Nikki at the SPFL Trust as a kind of overview of all of that. And, you know, some of the stories that come out of it are, you know, are, they've been, it's just kind of highlights like how so much great work has been doing. Like, I think me personally, I was always aware that community trusts were out there. And you know that people could use them for various things but for me it, like i was just like i was familiar with like you know football fans and training yeah. and stuff like that and i knew that there was you know other things around that but i wasn't quite aware of the you know the depth of work that, that's been done around you know areas like mental health um you know and kind of various other things so it's been it's been great to to kind of get in and look at these stories and be able to maybe tell them in a way that maybe other other folk can't because you know it's it's the work that's being done is so worthy of a platform um in terms of you know just because it's incredible the thing I got from it was each and everyone was like how incredibly committed um the people who were delivering a lot of these initiatives were um because obviously it's tough I mean it's when I talk about the cost of living crisis like Mm -hmm. it affects them as well it affects the ability to deliver um certain things you know like just General costs, uh, things that you don't often think about, utility bills and whatnot. So it's like, aye, it's just it, it was it was great to kind of speak to a lot of these folk and and just really kind of get drilled down into the work that's been done. And it's you can you can tell that it's making a you know it's the the, the response to the articles was was really kind of great as well. It's it said to me that there, there was a kind of you know a want out there for for to read about this kind of thing. Um, and about the kind of great things that are going on so it's been I've learned an awful lot from it and hopefully we've been able to um, to tell a few decent stories along the way.
3: Yeah so obviously you said you said you've you've learned a lot from it would you say you've been kind of surprised by by what you've found and just how much impact football clubs can have in their communities then?
5: Um, I suppose I, I don't know surprised as such because it's I think it's you know when you when you you actually sit down and look at it and and read it's you know football clubs are they're so entwined with communities and they always have been so it's probably it's not really a surprise as such that you know that they're um that they are making such an impact because i think um one of the kind of key things that i I learned i think it was i spoke to don middleton at at motherwell and one of the things that she said was just kind of um kind of hit home was you know the fact that you know the fans are there every single week uh yeah. it doesn't matter you know how results are going you know they're there every single week they might not be very happy um <laughs> a lot of the time they might do a lot of shouting and balling um but they're always there and she said you know the kind of our role is um to then be there for fans um when times aren't so great which they aren't for a lot you know an awful lot of people millions of people at the moment um and from that it was you know it's just the, the thing that struck me is the ability of football to reach the sort of maybe certain demographics that other services can't um you know you know we talk a lot about you know, just for example you know uh talk, speaking about mental health and men of a certain age and how you know obviously things are changing now it's becoming much more um sort of common i don't know common is the right word but you know like, less stigma isn't to talk less, about it less stigma that's yeah, exactly yeah, it and, yeah. but where that maybe remains and maybe where there's you know there's folk who won't you know they don't want to seek out you know certain services um because there may be some sort of lingering stigma but to be able to say that they're going down to you know they're just going along with the football club they're, mm-hmm. they're being part yeah. of the football club um it's it's kind of it seems obvious thinking about it now because football clubs are so you know it's they're so entwined in communities but just the power of football to open up those those doors to people in a way that they're more likely to, you know, to engage with um, was something that struck home with me because it's like, you know, like football, it's, you know, it's, it's everywhere in Scotland. It's so, you know, just part of our, the fabric of the, the country almost. And to be able to use it in that sort of way, um, I think it's it's been great to learn about. And obviously it's it's been great to try and, you know, can uh, kind I of get that word out there that, that, that is making such a difference.
2: Yeah it definitely breaks down barriers but I suppose an important point to kind of ram home Nikki is that it's not just like a six or eight or twelve week programme the the clubs are actually signposting people to places and there is a long-term effect and a long-term plan to get people maybe the help and support that they do need.
4: Yeah I think so I think you know oftentimes the club is the first point of contact and they can be engaged and take part in different programmes and you know different activities and events and stuff but what's really key is for our clubs to be really well connected within their local communities. And that's the bit we can't do, you know, we're never going to know the right people to signpost people to in Kirkcaldy, or in Hamilton, or whatever else that may be. And so the, the importance of those clubs being really well connected, so that when they gain the confidence of an individual who's struggling, and they open up, clubs are well placed to then be able to signpost them to additional services and support and and provision and that's what can help make the longer term impact you know football clubs aren't housing associations they're not mental health charities they're not um debt management services but they are places where people feel comfortable and will come through the door so what's really important is that our clubs and their trusts are connected really well locally so that they can just help support somebody to take you know the next step, and and actually also connected between themselves, and I guess this is all about story. so I'll, you know tell a really quick one. But I went to visit our winter support fund at Hibbs, um, just in January as they were kicking off some work, and there was a Ukrainian uh, chap there who has a, resettled here and he's managed to get a a job and he was doing some translation. But he loves football, and because Hibbs had done a win a sort of Christmas event for Ukrainian families, he gone along to that but he actually now lives in Kirkcaldy and he'd gone along on the day I was there and he was chatting to the guys and, you know, a really, um, you know, really intelligent, engaged man, but somebody I think was probably quite lonely, um, but felt that football was the thing he could have a conversation about. So he stayed past the end and in conversation with the guys at Hibbs, they established that he was living in Kirkcaldy and they said, oh, you know, well, do you know, you've got a where do you live? And they found out he lived a mile. From Race Rovers, and he didn't realise that the club was there. Now that's for another story for for the fan base of uh, of Race Rovers and Kakadi. But the point was, he didn't know that was there. He'd only heard about uh, about Hibbs because of the work they did with the Ukrainian community and yeah. helping to resettle in the past year. But the guys from Hibbs made a couple of phone calls. And told the guy all about Wraith Rovers, and hopefully, you know, he'll be posters across to Wraith Rovers. So, you know, it's also about that thing in football where, yeah, we're fiercely competitive, but it, when it comes to supporting individuals, none of that really exists. Mm-hmm. So we can cross refer organizationally, but we can also, um, you know, support people within within football too. And that happens in our projects as well. So where something works really good in one part of the country, we're not shy in sharing that so that it can happen and work elsewhere, somewhere else. Um, you know, so that always that always struck me It's just a, bit, a really simple thing, but the type of referral that you know he might have had two interactions with Hibs and it might not have worked for him because it was far from home. Yeah, but he now knows about Raith Rovers and he can go and take part in that. So, you know, I think these are the things that can be really powerful, and it's about our clubs and trusts having the foresight and understanding within their own communities to be able to think that way. And I think a lot of the success we see now is because the staff at trusts. Are seeing themselves kind of as charities first and football second and where that happens there's a really big shift in the level of support and impact that um they're able to provide for people around the country and that's i mean that's massive that's that's a mindset change that just makes such a big difference to the people at clubs and trusts
2: yeah jj is it kind of like a, a job for you that, that takes over your life in a way it's you know you've got your finger in so many pies trying to help people in all these different areas of their lives. I mean, do you do you feel like you're run off your feet sometimes?
0: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's one was one that you wouldn't change it to see you involved and you can make that impact in so many people's lives. is is why I want to do the role that I'm in. Just uh, for a, a quick reference, from Nikki, that that man actually came along at our sessions. Awesome. So, things, so so things like that, like that's that's what we're good at, and that's when our strengths are and what we need to scream about. Uh, we aren't experts at, at everything. That's why our par- our partners that you've just discussed here, and what what's really pleasing just now for us to see is this: football is actually starting to break down from a partners element. Of they actually see the impact that football can have for their charities or their organisations, and actually having them based in football stadiums and and rooms within it, and saying, "Listen, we can provide that. We've already got the people coming along. Like come and speak to us." come and come and speak to the guys and they're going would you let us do that and you're going absolutely because it's only going to benefit everybody in the room or involved so
4: and that's really important isn't it because that's something we spoke about when liam and i were chatting a few weeks ago Is actually there's very few places and communities anymore where people get together you know, on a regular, really regular basis and in volume, you know, we don't have churches particularly as much anymore. We don't have, you know, a lot of the minors or sort of spaces have gone. There are really few places sort of anchor organizations and communities where people very regularly attend. And so recognizing that that actually is what a football environment is opens the door for so many of these kind of organizations to go actually there is a way to do that and you know can you there's not very many other places where people sit side by side for 90 minutes every you know every week or every other week in our communities anymore and in a nutshell that's the bit that JJ's talking about is those partners have gone oh hold on a minute yeah I don't get it to begin with I get it now and how can we help to complement what you're doing and make sure that we can get the service support that people need.
2: Totally. I mean, just to pick up on, you know, you mentioned the Hibs um, Winter Support Fund project. I was lucky enough to go up to Aberdeen last week and see what they were doing up there with their um, Patoja Community Hub, and they're doing exactly that, where they're getting people in in a totally non-judgmental environment where where they're able to relax, socialise, get something to eat, and then also access these services, you know, dotted around the room. There was people from... Citizens' advice from the DWP, um, from energy charities, the NHS, you know, it goes on and on and on. And they even just did the kind of friendly ear of the volunteers and the staff up at Aberdeen um, clearly went a long way for these people. Um, people from all different walks of life, whether they're elderly or, th- or they're young and they're bringing their kids along or they're socially isolated or they've got long term health problems. There's just such an unbelievable cross section to society that you don't really get anywhere else. And it's the same and I'm actually, don't get me wrong, but not everyone can afford to go down on the match day. So it's like this opening the doors up to people and getting them in the bills at the stadium. It is a a draw, but once you get them in, the difference you can make is outstanding. And I think
4: probably on that, I can actually just picture that happening, but I think we need to, you know, wave a flag for the success of our community coaches out there who are doing that. And I'm not saying that just to pay lip service, but the majority of the community coaches across the network have this awesome way about them where they can have a bit of banter and they can engage people and they can make them smile and they can make them feel comfortable and they can make them run upstairs in stadiums that never in a million years would they have ever done for anybody else and it's that kind of unique approach that happens in football that can bring a group together but then kind of actively encourage them and motivate them in a way that they feel comfortable with to go and do things they've never tried before and sometimes you know i can well imagine somebody up at aberdeen would have been chatting to somebody over a cup of tea and going listen I know you're having issues with this. Come on, we'll just go the now, you know, and really just use that natural approach that so many coaches have to to bring people along with them and to support them to make those engagements, that interaction. And, you know, in any provision of services, whether it's in football or not, the success of those interventions is down to the people. It's down to their ability to engage in that one particular day, at that one particular point with a person in the way that, has the most impact for them in a way that they feel safe and comfortable, and like that's why that will have worked so well at Aberdeen. It's because the people in the room have a blether. They know somebody's dad. They 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 find something to laugh and joke about, and at just the right point they go right pal, come on, we're going away and we're going to chat to the yeah. lady from such and such. Yeah. Um, and I'm I know I know that JJ and his team and so many of the the coaches up and down the country are are exactly that kind of person, and that's what makes it great.
3: Yeah, it's really what kind of the SPFL trust and ATCs are all about. And um, Callum and I seen it first hand yesterday when we were out at, at Joy of Moving, um, with the Celtic Foundation there as well. Um, the interactions that that the coach had had with the kids was was amazing to see, and and the mascots were there as well, and just just the general setup of it was 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 really good. So yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's heartwarming, isn't it? You know, the actual human reaction beyond all the stuff the kids were doing and the coaches were delivering you, know, your k- kids running up to the Celtic coach at the end of the session and handing them thank you cards and things yeah. like that. And just, it, it's, it's appreciated, it's greatly appreciated. Um, and mascots getting swarmed by children, which looks yeah. a little bit terrifying. But yeah, you know, Sometimes um, the
4: mascots are far more exciting than a player turning <laughs> up at school. Half um, the time the kids don't know who half the players are, but you bring somebody in that sweaty, furry mascot outfit and you're sorted uh, for the next half hour.
2: Yeah. Um, but I mean, we're, we're talking about the, the breadth of the the kind of people that community touches can reach. Liam, is that something that you found on your travels or on your conversations with people that these programmes were affecting toddlers to people in their 80s and 90s kind of thing?
5: Yeah, uh Um, absolutely. Because I think from, you know, kind of speaking to various clubs, they would, you know, I would always ask, you know, like, so what is, like, is, you know, the kind of uptake been like in this... um, And there was always kind of, you know, there was a kind of consistent message that, you know, it it, it did seem to um, to be having a a sort of real impact on people. Um, And I think it's just, it's you kind of touched on it there. It's obviously testament to the people that are that are delivering it all. Because, you know, I think you can, as you've alluded to, you can put you can put all these things in place, but then if you don't have the right people. To deliver it who know how to engage with people who, who kind of know that the local community then it's it's not going to be as successful as it as it might have been um in terms of you know that the bread to the impact i think it's for you know from what i've i've heard from people that i've spoke to it's it comes from the impact being so good comes from the people who, who are delivering it knowing exactly you know what is what is needed um and I think there was the, the, quite a few people mentioned to me, it's about, you know, listening to people and listening to what they need. For example, uh, when I spoke to the, the folk at uh, Morton um, a few months ago, um, they said that one of the things, you know, that kind of stood out um, in terms of what, you know, people were, were looking for, um, it was to do with, you know, just something as, as basic as, you know, as like kit, mm-hmm. boots. Yeah. Um you know, and that's you know, <laughs> I mean I still play football and like that and see try and get an affordable pair of football boots these days, it's honestly it's absolutely murder. Yeah. Um and like it's just something like that where people were maybe looking for, you know, kids growing out of stuff really quickly and then they come up with this um a sort of swap shop as they called it, where people could come in and you know donate you know stuff that they no longer needed and take something else um from there or that they wanted to pay for, for they could um it was just kind of whatever they needed and however they wanted to go about it they sort of tailored it towards that and so i thought like that was you know a kind of example of you know why you know the impact can be so great because you've got people delivering it who are responding to what you know people are needing um yeah. and what people are looking for uh so i think like as i said in terms of you know the the bread to the impact um i said when you've got you know sort of really good really knowledgeable really well connected people running it then it's, it's probably no surprise that it's that a lot of these things are as, as effective as they are
4: i think that's a sign of the times as well because you know you look back five or six years ago and it was it was the extent of that engagement to offer some subsidised or free places on camps and that was was great and that made a difference to people at the time but as we find ourselves post-pandemic and in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis and a fuel crisis and an everything else crisis, That isn't enough anymore, but our clubs are recognising that it's all very well to make a free spot available for a child who might not be able to afford to do it. But if they've not got boots to play in, Mm -hmm. or if they've not got somewhere to shower when they're finished and they're going home somewhere where they've not got power to get a warm shower, or if they've not got food in their belly, they're not going to have the energy to be able to do that. And actually what Liam's just described there is just one of the types of things that's happening that recognises that we're kind of further along now than we were before but that doesn't mean there aren't things that clubs can and are doing to help make everything as accessible as possible for the people who need it and for the people who benefit the most from getting the chance to do these things and kit swaps are a brilliant example of that um, as are some of the breakfast clubs or the fact that you'll come to a camp and you won't go away without having been fed you know that that's not just because it's nice to give everybody a bit of lunch there's a real thought behind that around making sure that they know if nothing else that child has had some food in their tummy today because sadly that's the state of play at the moment
2: yeah how how does the 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 spfl trust and its atc network nikki remain relevant and adaptable to these problems that are coming up all the time you know this strategy is in place until 2025 of course it'll be reviewed but how over the next few years at least uh, does the trust continue to support people the best way it can
4: yeah so i think we we're really honest with the strategy and we said that um all of our clubs were recognising that poverty was becoming more of an issue and they felt that they were quite well placed to to help with some of that, but they didn't necessarily know the extent of the right way to do it because things have changed so much in the last few years. So part of the current strategy is to commit to learning and developing our skills and knowledge as we go over the next few years, but also to looking at really key strategic partners and by working with the right people, it doesn't have to be lots of organisations, but working with the right organisations will allow us to make sure that we um, retain a, a relevant and current oversight of what challenges are currently existing. And also having the regular dialogue with the community trust themselves, whether that's through the training, ground learning and development programme, whether it's through our annual conference or our leadership meetings or our project meetings, so that we're constantly listening and assessing the need. And you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Calum. Poverty is not going to be going away in the next two and a bit years by the time our strategies period is complete, it will continue. And I very much suspect it will remain our strategic focus, but we will have learnt a bit more by then, so it yeah. might have grown and evolved. But you know, ultimately we can do all the stuff around the national learning. But what, what is vitally important is our relationships with the trusts for them to tell us what they're seeing, you know, on the ground, so to speak, and what they're experiencing and what challenges there are in their local areas, and also remembering that the local areas are all different. So there might, you know, there'll be nuances in each of the areas, and we need to make sure that whatever we put in place. Has is flexible enough to allow the community trusts to be flexible then in their delivery to meet the needs on that particular day for a particular group of people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just to kind of finish up we, we have the final coming up very soon obviously um, just briefly Nikki how important is that sponsorship in that particular day itself, itself the final to the trust in terms of getting the message out about what um, you know yourselves and, and all the ATCs are doing?
4: So I'm probably gonna get into trouble for saying this, but actually it's not really much about the football match itself for us on the day, you know, that's uh, great for the fans and great for the teams and, and, and it's brilliant for them. And to be a part of that excitement is wonderful, but actually for us, the final is kind of a culmination of, a competition's worth of engagement of storytelling it's an opportunity to bring people together for shared experiences and also to experience things they might never experience again in their lifetime it will not give anything away but we've we've just uh, today at the time of recording this have just uh, decided on our competition winners so people get the chance to potentially give the trophy to the winning team and to the player of the match and stuff so yeah. actually for us it's about bringing together all the things that we've spoken about over the term of the competition through all the different avenues and piling it all into one day. And then also making sure that that day is as accessible, as family-friendly, as community-focused as it can be. And somewhere amongst that at three o'clock whenever we'll play a game of football. <laughs> uh, and hopefully it'll be a really entertaining match and um, everyone will be on the edge of their seats. But you know, for us, the trophy is, is really that culmination and it's an opportunity for us to display outwardly everything that the trust is and the work of our community trust and what that represents and how it feels so we're really looking forward to it
3: yeah it's a real uh celebration of of all the work that's being done and you spoke about the the competitions there um we seen last year when when molly uh, presented the, the trophy to race rovers that was a, a really special experience for her and i'm sure it'll be the same again this season for for someone else
4: Absolutely. Whether it's going to Wraith, though, that's the million-dollar yeah, question. Oh, yeah. Only <laughs> like, competition, Wraith, are interested in it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all,
2: all good to go on your side, JJ. Ready for your your big community rollout at halftime and things like that.
0: Yeah, everything to place. So again, this week's about building excitement for for those that are going to be involved, and again, touch on, like you say, just making it that memorable day for those that might not get that free. Uh,
2: everyday experience so yeah pleasing brilliant okay well uh, thank you again to Nicky JJ and Liam for for joining us and yeah roll on the final
4: <laughs> thanks for having us guys
5: cheers for us, guys.
2: coming up next we have some football chat where we'll be joined by Race Ian Murray and Hamilton's John Rankin
3: but first it's time for the half time highlights a run through of some football powered stories from across the country <laughs>
2: The SPFL Trust are delighted to have a range of activities and entertainment available for fans at the SPFL Trust Trophy Final. Our Kids Zone will give young fans the chance to show off their skills pre-match, we'll also have performances from freestylers and a cheerleading squad. Elsewhere, Aberdeen FC Community Trust have had a meaningful impact in their community with the launch of the Pataudry Community Hub. Opening up a lounge at the stadium, the hub gives people a space to socialise, enjoy a hot meal and seek advice from services such as the DWP and the NHS. The programme continues to go from strength to strength after backing from the SPFL Trust's Winter Support Fund, which was awarded to nine clubs. In Edinburgh, Hibbs Club Together project has also been a beneficiary of the Winter Support Fund. The High B's are providing a weekly lunch and social cafe for the local and refugee community, largely made up of people from Ukraine. Meanwhile, St Mirren FC Charitable Foundation have been bringing the fund to the Smisa Stadium with their Winter Buddies programme. Participants have been able to enjoy live music, quiz nights and movie nights while also getting a hot meal and socialising with others. In Dumfries, Queen of the South Community Trust have been upskilling the participants of their Social South project. The programme is aimed at elderly and unemployed people looking to gain qualifications in catering. And finally, we launched our festive friends report for 2022. It was the biggest year ever for the project as 43 clubs
3: took part. Now on to the football, and Callum and I are joined by Ian Murray and John Rankin.
2: First of all, thank you both for joining us, and congratulations for making it to the final of the SPFL Trust Trophy. So, um, we'll start with you yourself, John. Um, first season at Hamilton in a, in a cup final, you must be quite pleased with that.
6: Yeah, obviously, uh, when you enter cup competitions to, be to begin with, you try and get as far as you can, and then when you get to the latter stages, quarterfinals, semifinals, semi-finals, you begin to think about how far you can go in it, um, In the semi-final, we obviously played in the south, and um, we get to the extra time and we manage to get, th- get ourselves into the final, but when you get to the final, you've not really got much time to enjoy it, it becomes a case of we were playing Hearts three days later in the quarter final of the, the Scottish Cup, so um, it didn't take long to, to sink in and a lot of the boys didn't have much time to enjoy that experience, but now we get ourselves in a, a cup final and we're looking forward to it, we've trained here this morning um, Ian and Wraith will train here this afternoon, so it's been a good, good experience for our boys, it's a different week, looking forward to it. When um, I mean you get to a cup final there's always that buzz about the players uh, and the buzz about the, the club. Um, I think we've sold a lot of, a lot of tickets, uh, far more than what we expected to at this time. So really looking forward to it and as I said there's that, that buzz and we're only in on Tuesday.
3: Yeah, you want to go obviously as far as possible in any cup competition but you'll have been looking at this one as one that you can realistically go on and obviously get to the final
6: and, and maybe win. As I said at the, the, the beginning of the cup I don't think you look at winning it I think you just look at the round that's in front of you And try and get through that um, And we done that Obviously we had a, we had a difficult period at that, at that point In regards to We didn't actually know what we were going to play Because we drew Rangers in the first round So with regards to us playing Rangers Rangers had players in their B team That were international players So they couldn't play in the original fixture date So that was postponed um, And I think this the latter date was postponed as well So we had to move it again and then we obviously find ourselves getting through that. And then the following round, we play Inverness. But it was well documented that Inverness were going to play their kids. But at that point in time, you don't actually know if they are going to play their kids until the team comes through. So you're thinking, how are we? But we made a lot of changes that those two games and a lot let a lot of the kids play. I thought it was important for their experience. But then, as I said, when you get to the, the quarter final and the semifinal, then it begins to think, right, OK, the further we get, the there's an opportunity here to get to the final. And then listen, anything can happen in a final.
2: And Rafe have had a bit of a, a love affair with this competition in the last couple of seasons. Uh, Ian, do you feel a bit of extra pressure to go out there as defending champions and try and retain that trophy? Or?
1: Um, I don't think we feel extra pressure going into the final. I think there was pressure at the start of the season because we knew how well Rafe had done over the last two to three years and it was important to the supporters in the football club and the players that have already won it. So for me, I felt a little bit... Um, I mean, pressure to an extent, but also felt we had to respect the competition to its fullest... Um, by putting out the strongest team that we, we could on that day, um, and I wanted to, like John, I want when you go into a cup competition, you want to get as far as you can, regardless of what it is, where it is and who you're against, we, we've had a tough path to the final, we've had a really tough path and tough circumstances surrounding it with our, and the amount of players that we had in, in a couple of games at Queen's Park away and then up at Dens when we had two subs and... You're to balance, you know, the midweek game to the Saturday game, but I, th- I always believe your next game is most important, regardless of what what you're in. Yeah. Um, so for us to get back into the final, it's a fantastic achievement from the players. We now want to go and win it because you know it's a one-off game like Jones. Anything can happen. I don't really buy in too much into the the form going into league positions going into. It. We've seen it so many times this season and numerous seasons that. On the day, anyone can be anybody, so we, we know it's going to be a tough game, but we're delighted to be here, first and foremost, and I think w- the club's delighted to be here, the supporters, as, as we know by the amount of tickets we've sold, are delighted to be here, so we're lo- really looking forward to it now.
2: You mentioned the supporters, I think there's going to be roughly 4,000 here um, on, on Sunday at the Falkirk Stadium. How have they been with you since since coming in the door at the start of the season? Obviously, John McGlynn had a lot of success here and he was he was well liked. But have they been really receptive to what you've tried to done with the team this season?
1: Y- yeah, they've been great. I mean, you're always going to get one or two mumps and moans and frustrations, and that's normal. You uh, uh, you expect that, and, and rightly so, because you know the opinion of supporters is important. They're not they're not daft. They have their own ideas as well, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong, just like myself. Um, but they've been great towards the players, been great towards myself and the staff as well. I think they've seen. I mean, a big difference when john leaving obviously was at Rafe overs you know for a long time over over a couple of spells and had a good uh, affiliation with the with a club and an excellent relationship with his supporters um but we're uh, i'm very much a slow builder to be honest i don't really think good things happen quickly i think you've got to take your time and um you know put small steps and, and bricks in place and i think we've done that you know've we've, we've had disappointments throughout the season of course we have we've had games we've not played well results we have n- that, that weren't good but we've also had some really good Uh, moments, good times Um, and and Sunday hopefully will be another one
3: Has there been a lot of chat in and around the club and in the dressing room about what what last season's final was like?
1: Not really Um, football football and footballers don't dwell on the past too much and you can't really look back, it was a great, I was at the game because it was at Euridh's stadium so I was there um and Rafe were going through a really difficult time which was well documented, uh, you know, back then and it was, you know, quite, I think it was quite a high pressure moment or high pressure time for the football club and the players and and the staff as well so for them to go and win the cup and from being Bruton, I thought they were a bit fortunate. to Do so, I thought Queens, uh, Queen and South, were excellent. Um, Should have been well ahead at half time, but you know, Rave hung in there, showed their experience, uh, and, and managed to win it. And I think when you saw the uh, the celebrations of the players and and the supporters, and it, it showed how much it meant to them. Um, so, I, like I said at the start, I, I felt a little bit, um, you know, not inclined, but you know, pressure to to defend the trophy to our, to our best.
2: You had a bit of a difficult start to the, the season, John, but you've sort of hit your stride now, and you and you're fighting. Really hard down there at the bottom of the championship to get yourselves out of it. How much of cup cup competitions kind of helped you do that, and has it really aided your league form?
6: Yeah, I do I wouldn't say we had a difficult start. I'd say we had a difficult middle period. Right. Uh, when you look at it from probably September, sorry, sorry October onwards, uh, from October to December, we had a, a really a poor period, as in picking up results. Performances weren't great, um, and we knew that. Um, but then you look at it and think, how can we? How can we change it? What do we need to do? And we identified new players. Um, we identified a different way of, of, of playing. And we had to try and implement that very, very quickly. Now, as, as Ian says, I don't think you can go into a club and put all your ideas across at the one time. I think you need to build slowly and it becomes baby steps. Um, and it's certainly been that way. Um, you look at the, the way we were over those months, when October, November, December, um, and they were really frustrating and disappointing. We had a lot of lonely Saturday nights. But when you look at, the, the process to try and get a wee bit of success, then that pro- we had to go through that, we had to go through those low moments, and sometimes that builds your character more than more than anything. It was it was tough, uh, physically tough and mentally tough for the players, but you have to look at now where how far we've came in that such a short period of time since the turn of the year. We brought in new players, we brought in new I uh, new mentality, which became really important and it's a different dressing room entirely, um, it's very vibrant, it's it's bubbly, and players look forward to, to coming in every day and trying to get achieve a result, and so far, um, we've got ourselves back within touching distance, I think at one point we were six points adrift to Abroath, eleven points adrift to Cove, we've got ourselves within touching distance now, but it's still not where we want to be, uh, and you have to address that, and you have to try and continue to build, we obviously made a, a new signing last week as well, with Benny Ashley-Seal, who's been out of the game for a, wee- a period of time, but, we have to continue to strive to be better and we have to continue to make the players want to be better, so we have to push them. But when you look at the the low the low times of that, I mean I can remember Christmas Eve, you were up at Cove or the day before Christmas Eve the twenty-third, um and we lose 2 0. The punters aren't happy, the players aren't happy, you're gonna Christmas, you're bottom of the league, you're a cat you're adrift at that point, which was particularly a low point for us and we had to go and build from build on that and and build from it and, and I felt we've we've done so. We're Not nowhere near where we want to be just yet, but we have to continue to build and we have to strive to be the best we can every day. And, s- and so far, the players have gave me everything since Christmas, and we have to continue to do that.
3: Do you see this game as another opportunity to, you know, if you win it, to maybe kick on for the rest of the season?
6: Yeah, but we've used uh, we've used the cup ties as that. So far, I mean, you look at the the Rangers game; it, it stopped a run of defeats. We look at the Inverness game again; it stopped a run of defeats. We used the Clyde game to get back to winning ways and it put us on a good run in the league after having played more than the following game so these cup games have been a, a blessing and a disguise from obviously the league situation, it's helped it's helped the players build momentum and, and during January and February when we are beginning to put a run together that certainly helped those games so we're looking forward to Sunday um, I don't think you can't look forward, not look forward to a cup final sorry, and as I said there's a buzz about the place, the players are really looking forward to it. a lot haven't played in cup finals before Obviously, we've got Brian Easton, who won the Scottish Cup. He's got that experience. And we've also got Dario and, and Regan, who won the Cup last year with, with Rafe Rovers. So, there's experience in that. But there's not a lot of chat about the Cup final uh, being about the dressing room. After we we beat Queen's Park, uh, sorry, Queen of the South, I made the point before we played Hearts, listen, I don't want to hear any about a Cup final. And to be fair to the players, they've not bothered with it. We've just continued to, to take each game as a time. And I think that's important. What
2: are you expecting from Wraith? You obviously know each other quite well personally
6: and you've played each other multiple times this season. Listen, for me, Wraith are, are one of the best football teams in the league. Uh, they play some really good football. It's free-flowing, there's lots of movement, there's lots of rotations, there's lots of passing patterns, which is difficult to stop at times. Um, but I, I went to watch... I don't, listen, I don't even know why I went to watch these at because Rangers had the majority of the ball, so you don't see what, what, what yeah, Wraith are. Yeah. Um, but... You you look at that game and you you, you think okay that the players can also work not just with the ball they can work well without the ball so I, I know how Ian sets his team up I watched him a few times last year we re- we loaned players at um right at the time and and his teams always play attractive football so it's, it's going to be difficult to play against but it's one that we enjoy it's going to be a game of football rather than being a game of of which a lot of championship games are where it's just direct and it, it's horrible to watch, so hopefully we can put on um, a show for the, the supporters at the weekend, and listen, we, we're in a Cup finally, we want to win it, that's that's the be-all be and end-all of it. Yeah,
2: and similarly, I mean, you, you're impressed with the way Hamilton have turned things around um, since, you know, kind of the, the Christmas period to, to where they are now.
1: Yeah, definitely, I think, um, you know, again, like John, if I've watched a lot of Hamilton this season, there's been quite a lot of games recently, um, again, not not to, you know, blow smoke because John's here I, I, we beat them at the start of the season, I felt we deserved to win the game and I felt we won it quite comfortably but I, I felt we got a wee bit lucky at, at Starks we won 3-1 but it was it was just small margins in that game and I remember saying to players and, and the staff after that, our staff saying that they've improved a heck of a lot and then we played them again after Christmas and on the, uh, again I came off the pitch and I said to the staff um, we've got them a week just in time, because they're going to get better. You could see the way that they were playing. They were passing the ball, they were, they were sharper, they were quicker getting up the park. They'd added some good players to their squad. So I was very thankful. And after it wasn't long after that, they started to go on a, a really good run, which was no surprise to me. And I saw them against Clyde um, in the Cup. um, And it, it just turned like that. And after that game, you know, they went and beat Morton. I think they drew with Dundee. Then they played what I was at the Hearts game. Played well, because it's very difficult against these teams. So it didn't surprise me. I, I knew it was coming. Um, but I think you know the improvement that they've had since the start of the season's it's been it's been pretty obvious, and it, you know it's it's been a big margin of improvement. It's not just a little bit, um. And I think you know experiences like Sunday for both teams will improve them again. Um, so we have to be on our guard. It's gonna be a really really tough game. We've seen it so many times this season. You know, you know, Hamilton went up to Inverness and won the game. They've withdrawn with Dundee at home. You know, so they they can do it, and they're a good side. So if we think we're going to go into this and you know, swan about, canter about in a cup final, then we're, we're sadly mistaken.
3: I know, um. League form maybe goes out the window a bit, but it can only be a good thing, kind of scoring six goals <laughs> a week before.
1: Yeah, I think you always want to go in, in uh, any game in good form, but going into a, a different occasion and atmosphere and uh, opportunity, yeah, de- definitely. Um, I say you don't you don't look t- too far back, but you have to try and take little bits and bobs from stuff, and even like John said, the Rangers game, we, we lost a game 3-0, we knew it was going to be difficult, we, we knew we weren't going to get much of the ball, we probably had more of the ball than we actually thought we were going to get, Um, but again, I saw something different from the team and yep. the players, I saw them disciplined, good structure, um, and and I think at times this season um, I wouldn't say it's been missing the, the discipline, but we've not had to do it too often, we've had a lot of the ball, but certainly at Ibrox we had to show a different trait of characteristics um, as a team and as individuals and we have done that, so I was really, really pleased with how that went, and I know, I know we're out, we are out the cup and we lost, but you know the players done their best, we were kind of makeshift again Um but look, Sunday's a different game, we w- we'll have more of the ball than we will at Ibrox, but we also know we have to be careful with it, because if we give it to, to Hamilton, as I say, they've got plenty of pace in their team, they've got wide players that get up and down, they can motor up and down, that's for sure, um, so we need to make sure that we, we turn up on Sunday mentally, in the right mind frame, and certainly physically ready to go.
2: It's a question for both of you, really. but what are the preparations like for an event like this? Is it the same Is it? Is it different Is it wee tweaks I mean I don't know John you're smirking there But I don't. Know. How, how does
6: it work for you In the lead up to a, a big Kind of final like this being, being totally honest We're speaking about it Before we come on Today's not ideal As in not with To the media And the press side of it But You're coming out with Your normal structure To come here And train for a day Yeah uh, So obviously We took the morning slot Ray took this afternoon slot I don't know who was offered first Whether Ian preferred To train in the afternoon or not But <laughs> it, it is what it is But again um, how does it the week the normal week look? You've ov- obviously got an extra day with it being a uh, a Sunday because normally cup finals on a Saturday. or any ones that I've experienced have been so? It's been a case of uh, yesterday was an extra day. So how do you keep the players going? How do you keep what do you do with them? Is it are you going to tire them out? Are you going to keep them on their toes? Yeah. Sometimes you go and play golf. I didn't think that was the right thing to do. Um, so w- we trained as, as normal yesterday. Um, we tried to get the players going again, so they were in yesterday morning we came to Falkirk Stadium today to train which, as I said it takes out your normal gym Thai therapy, whatever you're doing in the afternoon sort of stuff um, but we actually loved it I think they loved something different yeah. so coming here as we were saying, you, you pack the van you're ready to go, you've got everything with you um, and it was, to be honest we actually enjoyed it, uh, something different somewhere different a different experience for us and, and obviously the new players or the players that haven't been here before get to see what the stadium's like so um, it's it's about keeping the the full focus on the game rather than anything else and, and, and having been involved in, in ga- big games before it becomes a case of the more noise you can shut out for the outside and the more uh, things that take your actual mind away the better the experience becomes because all you want to do is concentrate and, and playing and, in the game on, on Sunday.
2: Any special superstitions or preparations <laughs> or
1: anything like that, Ian? No, nah, not really. I, again, I think it's <laughs> football's all about you know different ways of doing things and opinions and, you know, if John had his guys in, we gave half our boys yesterday off and, you know, that wasn't planned. It's just when I looked at it after the game on Saturday, you know we looked a wee bit tired. Maybe got eye Ibrox and then that... that Sunday to Saturday the, the shorter week and then, be, then it becomes a longer week the Saturday to Sunday um, you know, swapped around so we felt give, give some boys a little bit of a break at home because um, we know the rest of the week is going to be quite hard and quite intense um, and some people will disagree with that and some people agree with it and that's the beauty of, of being a manager or a coach or a footballer or a you know, dietitian whatever, sports science everybody will have different ways and some sports scientists will probably hear that and tear their hair out and some won't, you know. So it's it's just a a preference, and I just felt some of our players needed that wee extra day at home. Um, and you put full trust in them to to maybe do a little bit or to relax and spend some time and and do the right things. And I think I put a lot of emphasis and, and trust onto the players. I don't chase them up a bit, and I don't. I'm not really interested. They can do they can do what they want because they know what's right and what's wrong, and they're adults and they and we have to remember they're human beings and young younger guys as well who at times do need to let off a bit of steam. And it is a high pressure week. For them as well, and they'll have to find their own mechanisms at time to deal with that. Um, but you know, we train here this afternoon, which we're looking forward to again, um, as John had mentioned, it's a different environment. It's t- it's good to get to get used to the pitch, albeit probably most players have have played here yeah. uh, before. But it does break the week up a little bit, and it it gets us in that mentality now that this is Cup final week and we we need to be ready. And then so we'll do that this afternoon and get back to Starks Park uh, tomorrow.
3: We spoke about Wraith winning last season under John McGlynn. What would it mean? for you to win it in your first season as race manager
1: yeah I'd love to win it I, I mean I, I made no uh, bones about that at the start of the season I, I mean, we all hear it in <laughs> this competition in particular managers and coaches who put out the weakened teams or, the yep. or for, wha- for whatever reason or they're not that bothered about it we were really bothered about it like we were in every cup because I felt it was an opportunity to win something I think what's the point in entering it you may as well you may as well not yeah Um. So I'd love to win it, I'd love, I'd love it, to be honest, I'd love it for the supporters um, and the owner of the football club, uh, John Sim, because he puts a lot of time in, puts a lot of effort in, and it's hard. It, you know, John will testify, in our league it's very, very difficult for smaller clubs to to, to, to run, quite frankly, cash is always an issue. Um, and the supporters you know, sometimes come out to be thick and thin, don't get a lot of success for a long time. So I think we have a, a, as managers and players, have a duty to, to try and win every single game that we that we take the field to. And and Sunday would be lovely for us. It would be great for the players. It'd be great for the supporters. But ultimately, great for the football club.
3: And John, same question for yourself as your first season as, as Hamilton manager.
1: Listen, I'm I'm not different. I would I would love to win it.
6: Um, I would love to win it for the players first and foremost. I think that would be important. I think it'd be important for them as a group. But I I'd, I'd love to win it for Alan, Ronnie, and and Colin who've been very supportive there in the background through difficult times at, at times. Um they've always been supportive, they've always helped. But I think it would be really important to or it would be important to me to give them something back. Um it's it's a big day out. I think Alan mentioned the other day that he meets his, his first final in, in senior football. So that that's a big moment for him. And as I said, he's been very supportive from the, the day that he, he asked me to be the manager of the football club. So I'm looking forward to it. And as I said, it would be something to take a time for the players to give them something back with all their support because listen, we've we've had difficult times this season. We've had really difficult times and we, we've came through them. Um and we're stronger for it. That those experiences of those negative moments sometimes help and, and I feel as if they have. I feel as if we're a stronger group for that. But for us to win it for them and, and everyone that works within the club, we're only a small a small football club and there's not a lot of people work within the those those premises and for us to be able to do that and lift silverware and share the enjoyment with them, I think that would be very helpful for the cl- the club and in the the long term plan. But not only for that, I, th- I think for this season it would also set us up going into the last eight games and, and and seeing where it can take us. Yeah,
1: sorry, I, I think John makes a really good point there that that not everybody realizes. I think it's really important, you know, for every club and manager stuff. You have got to give back. That's what what we want to do. We're not so egotistical that we want to, you know, it's all about us and we want to, you know, I'll probably go home Sunday night and that's it, win or lose. But to give something back to the supporters, to the the owners who've put their trust in you with the job, who frankly are paying your wages, your salary, and their money, you always want to try and reward them more than anybody else. And the guys and the women that are coming through the the door every week in turnstiles paying their hard-earned money because without patronising, Football is such an important thing for, for small communities around around the world, but particularly in Scotland, it's always our national game. And they're working hard every single week to come and watch football. So we have to be, you know, the onus is on us to try and give them something back and it's an opportunity on Sunday for Hamilton and Rafe Rovers, regardless of the score, because we can put on a great game of hope. Um an entertainment, quite frankly. Um and one of us is one of us fortunately is going to win, one of us is going to lose. But I think for for both clubs to be there and to be able to give something back on Sunday is really important.
6: I think for both clubs as well as Ian said, it, it's a great day out for the supporters. Yeah. Because when other what other time do they get an opportunity to go to the cup final? Mm-hmm. Take great into the equation they've been the last three. Yeah. Uh, and but for our football club, I think the last time was two thousand and nine, uh, and and uh, we haven't had a cup success in the new stadium. So that that's something else. So when you yeah. when the, the supporters and the local fans look at that, it, it's something that we could we could maybe change, and that's what we're what you want to do, and that that's the aim for Sunday. John, Ian, thanks very much for joining us and all the best for the game on Sunday.
1: Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you.
3: Now, before we get into our predictions for the final, let's have a run-through of the semi-final results. Dundee 2, Wraith Rovers 2, with Wraith winning 4-2 on penalties. And Hamilton 2, Queen and South 1. So if you're listening carefully, you already know the answer to what's coming. It's time for the SPFL Trust Football Powered Prediction League.
2: I mean... To be fair, you'd have to be listening very, very carefully to know <laughs> what's <are> coming <laughs> because we both had a bit of a mare um in the last round. The the idea um of well the last round was to see who got the closest, you yeah. know, to, to getting the, the results, the score and the finalists right. And we basically we're both miles off. But anyway, I'll give you the usual spiel. As you already know, Jake and I have been going head to head for the duration of the trophy to find out who has the best knowledge of Scottish football. Now, heading into the last round, I was in the lead 3-2, so it was all in the line, Uh, you know, if I win this one, then I'm the champion, if not, it goes right to the wire, to the final, for this final prediction we're going to do, but, um, so we challenged ourselves, as I said, to a bit of a score predictor for the semi-finals, I said, Dundee would beat Wraith 2-1, and Queen of the South would beat Hamilton 3-1, miserable, (laughs) because neither of those teams got through, Jake said, Dundee (laughs) would beat Wraith 1-0, and Queen of the South would beat Hamilton 2-0, again! Miles off it, terrible. both of us. Terrible. Um, however, I predicted Dundee would score two goals uh, and that Hamilton would score a goal. So <laughs> um, that basically means that I got the closest um, the well, way I'm seeing it.
3: An absolutely terrible way to win the competition. That was like <laughs> an own goal
2: in the final minute, like a scuff over the line. Yeah. You don't you don't really care how it goes in, but it's gone in. Um, I've taken another point, 4-2 to me, and I'm taking a title. You've won. You've Here won we, we go.
3: You've won it with a game to go. With a game to go. I'm game to go. so um, disappointed in myself. But congratulations. Very well deserved. Thank
2: you very much. We probably should have had some kind of jingle prepared, like a Champions Jingle or something. But uh, um, Shall I play the buzz or something? I can go for f- it. I can go just celebrate it. over that. Yeah. Buzzing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Champions. <laughs> Come on. Bosh. Fantastic. That'll do. Lovely. I, I feel validated in my football knowledge.
3: Yeah. Well I done. That's your prize.
2: Basically feel that... I just wasn't as bad as you. It wasn't any good.
3: Yeah, I mean, it was very difficult to predict. <laughs> in, in hindsight, looking back at all the predictions we've done, neither of us have been great, No, especially me, and that's how you've won. Yeah,
2: yeah. we probably should have just predicted Wraith Rovers to get to the final from the start, to be honest. I mean, it's, yeah. it's like I cus- mean, customary at this stage, isn't it? you had
3: done that for the last three years. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fine. Been Quid's <laughs> in.
2: Right, anyway. Um, for the final, we're going to keep going. Why not? Um, we'll We'll do one more round. We're just going to do a straight prediction of mm-hmm. who
3: we think... We'll win the competition. Jake? Mm, so, I am going to say, bear with me a second, Hamilton. Why? Hamilton have picked up recently. Um, They had a bit of a run in, in the Scottish Cup as well, didn't they? And yeah. they've done well uh, in the last round. And I just think they've had a little bit better form than race more recently i know race are obviously probably favorites and i've won it for well won it last year and shared it with Inverness the year before but i just fancy hamilton
2: do you think Wraith are going to come into this thinking like oh we've got this in the bag we win it every year
3: maybe <laughs> i mean i'm sure they won't but i think some of their fans will
2: the fans definitely will you know what fans are like
3: yeah and some Hamilton fans will be thinking the same, yeah, probably. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, and there'll be some Wraith fans that are extremely nervous, as as, as will Hamilton fans be. But um, sort of, just to be different, why not? Because we're going to have to be at this stage because it's got to get one yeah, night at some yeah. point. Um, I'm going to say Wraith Rovers. Um, basically, because they have such great history and pedigree in this competition over the last couple of years. Um, they're going to have a bumper crowd at the Falkirk Stadium supporting them. Yeah. Um, they've got a really good side, actually. Watched them um, play Rangers in the Scottish Cup mm-hmm. um, a couple of weekends ago. And actually thought they were okay. They ended up getting beaten, you know. But, you know, it was like a penalty and an on-goal. And um, they were just cut open a couple of times. But yeah. I thought I thought they looked decent. um, And that's against w- one of the best teams in the country. So um, I think they'll go into this confident. Um, and if they can just, they're good players, show up for them. I thought Dylan Easton was superb at Ibrox. Yeah. I'm um, looking forward
3: to it, though. Should be yeah. a really good game. As I said, Hamilton have picked up. race has been on a good side and we'll be right up for it. So it should be a good day.
2: What well, um kind of spring this on you a wee bit here, but what what who you looking out for? Like players, storylines, things like that for the final. Obviously it's two teams in the same league who'll be used to seeing each other and yep. um playing each other. But but there's there's a few th- kind of narratives running through this and, and some interesting mm-hmm. personnel on both sides.
3: Yeah, so someone we've had on the podcast, Lewis Smith, obviously big Akies fan, local lad, good player for them. So I'm looking out for him. I think um he had a big part to play in setting up Ryan Oney previously in the competition for his goal. He's another one to look out for, isn't he? he only, is one. only sixteen. Yeah, so exactly. So those two for Hamilton for Wraith. I'm a big fan of Dylan Easton, as you said. Um, was impressed with him when he was at Kelty and have continued to be impressed with him this season at Race. His first season um, back in full time football, I believe, and he's done very well. So mm-hmm. that's what I've got my eyes on.
2: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm sort of looking at. The storyline more on, on the Hamilton side of Dario Zanatta. Mm. Obviously, he was at Rafe last season yeah, and true. won the trophy with Rafe last season. So it'll be interesting. I imagine he'll play a part mm. at, at some stage, whether he'll start or not. That's up to John Rankin. But um, that's certainly an interesting one. And he's a very good player. So I'll be looking out for him um, in, in that respect. And like you say, Lewis and an obvious one. He's, he's been on this podcast and he's, he's itching to win this yeah, trophy for, right. for Hamilton, for his team. So... Yep um in young Ryan One you know, what a performance um mm-hmm. and in and, and, and the competition so far. So um it'll be good to see if he can he can kinda carry that on on, on the biggest stage. Um in terms of the Rafe side of things, you'd be inclined to think if I'm predicting Rafe to win anyway, you would look at the attacking side of things. But um I think if, if Rafe are going to win um this final, they're gonna have to, you know, build from the back and, and have a strong spine to their team that's that's gonna give them that platform to go and play. And I think Jamie McDonald and goals. Mm-hmm. Been there for a long time. Experienced campaigner. He'll have some saves to make, no doubt. Yeah. Um, for sure. and you'd back him to make it. I thought um Tam Lang was absolutely brilliant Yeah, at Ibrox, despite them conceding three goals. Yeah. He was putting his head on absolutely everything. Um he looks like he looks a really solid um player in there and a guy that could probably kick on and play at a even higher level. I know he's been he's yeah. been about the leagues, you know, yeah, for, yeah. for years. Well
3: he was at he was at Clyde and Clyde. then he was at Dunfermline. Um and He'd probably admit himself he didn't have the best of times at Ferman At Clyde, he done well, and which which earned him that move. But he's he's went to race Rovers and he's he's kicked on. Yeah,
2: yeah, terrific, um, terrific talent. He's still only like twenty four, twenty five, maybe as well, young guy. Yeah, I think so. Young, younger end of the scale for yep. a defender, anyway. So, um, you know, he's got high potential. And and Ethan Ross is maybe the other one I was looking at as well. Just he, he had a great game at the final last year. Yeah, um, good goal, good brilliant goal. Yeah. Um, and he's that guy. If if he doesn't start games for for Wraith, um, you know, they've got so many options. Aiden yeah. Connolly, Dylan Easton, Eastman Calves, Ross Matthews, and, and the kind of middle area. If Ethan Ross doesn't start, he comes on and invariably gets involved in the game, so... Yeah, for sure. Um, be looking out for him too. But, um, yeah, should be a good one. And all that's left to do now is really play the game. Yep, looking forward
3: to it. It should be good.
2: And if you want to learn more about the SPFL Trust, check out their Facebook and Twitter or visit spfltrust.org.uk forward slash trophy to learn more about the work they do and the SPFL Trust Trophy itself.
3: And for more information about today's topics and participants, you can take a look at episode notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.
1: This is the SPFL Trust Football Powered Podcast.